Fuck you, government of Alabama. Today is uh, what Wednesday the 15th of May. And uh, was it yesterday or the day before? Alabama passed uh, a law making all abortion illegal, regardless if it's due to rape or incest. Not that that should even matter. But now that's true, too. Um, if you're from Alabama or you're in Alabama and you're listening, uh, please understand I'm not saying fuck you. Uh, unless you supported that, then f- absolutely fuck you. Um, but if you are living there and uh, that is the service that you would need or uh, whatever, um, I, th- I think it's six months until it goes into effect. So, you know, if that is something you need to do, you can still do that. And uh, you can buy Plan B from like Amazon. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's good. Like the shelf life, I want to say is like four years. So if that is something that is a concern, uh, then, you know, do that. Um, but seriously, like what the fuck? I know this has gone on forever and, and I get the debate of abortion. Oh, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to poor. Sorry to jump right in. Please, uh, rate. And uh, subscribe and review on iTunes and uh, subscribe and like and comment on YouTube and uh, links will be in the description and all that. But anyway, fucking Alabama, man, like if you have an issue with is it killing a baby or not? I mean, it it is Uh, whether or not that is like a religious argument for you or I mean, that's usually the argument, right? Like it's, it's pretty much just if you're religious, that's where the argument comes in. I've never heard an argument from a non-religious person against abortion. If a woman doesn't want to have a baby, she shouldn't have a fucking baby and nobody should be able to say one way or the other. It's, it's insane that we're in a place that, that that's how it works, that, someone else can tell by law tell somebody what they can or cannot do inside their own body especially when it's something as huge as bringing to another life in the world that either is unwanted or cannot be cared for or i mean i know everybody's gone over these things over and over and over um but it's fucking crazy so it, it makes me really hopeful when you know people uh, when th- that there are so many really powerful, brilliant women moving into politics, um, and a lot of these old, just bitter old men, especially old white men, are dying off and getting out of there. So it's like uh, eventually this shit will change. Um, but Jesus, man, fuck, fuck the the government of Alabama. Um, you know, I, I saw a really amazing uh, tweet the other day. That was something like, I'm gonna get this wrong. Um, I'll post a screenshot here uh, and of who it was from and everything. But it was something to the effect of uh, all men should be required to have a vasectomy. Um, and since they're reversible, it's fine. I don't know medically what the issues were here, but as far as I know, this is sound. All men should, all men from a certain age should have to be forced to have a vasectomy. And then um, that way you'd cut out unwanted pregnancies, most of them, and even pregnancies by rape. And then uh, someone commented on that. The only way you should be able to have the vasectomy reversed is if you have a willing, consenting partner, which I thought was fucking brilliant. Um, I don't understand an argument against it. I guess you could say like nobody should be forced to have a vasectomy, but it's like you're forcing women to have a baby. You know what I mean? Like one is clearly less intrusive <laughs> and less impactful than the other. Uh, yeah, so I thought that was amazing. I would sign up for that for sure. I mean, I already have a kid and I'm not using any of this stuff down here anyway. But even if that wasn't the case, and I guess you could argue like medically if there were a problem. So like then it would be like at a certain age, let's say it's, you know, 21 or 18 or whatever, whenever... I don't know. When are your dick and balls stop growing? I don't know. I'm still hoping. Um, I'm just kidding. So I don't know. But I, I thought that was a brilliant idea. And I'd be a 
totally for it. I mean, that makes the most sense, right? So uh, pregnancies from rape, incest, accidental, fucking Catholics, all that shit would drop dramatically just by that law being implemented. Um, I don't know how you can, can police it, but, you know, let's say 75% of men followed that, adhered to that. And the other 25% is made up of men who either somehow dodge it or find a shady doctor to reverse it. That's still a massive amount of, of unwanted or, um, it's an ugly word, but unwanted pregnancies just by men being held responsible instead of a man can just fucking come everywhere they want in anyone they want. And then after the fact, the woman has to, to deal with it. Um, I have a friend who unexpectedly is now pregnant and, uh, the father is a piece of shit and just bounced. You know, a lot of that stuff could be alleviated with that very, very simple remedy. I'm all for it. And I don't think it's even a rights issue either. If, if that's if that's the problem, like, oh, a man shouldn't be forced to do it. But again, like you're forcing a woman to have a baby. It's insane. I can't even imagine what that would be like as a woman. I mean, I can't imagine what anything would be like as a woman. But especially that, like, let's say you're a woman and you become pregnant by a man uh, that is unwanted. You, for, however that happened, you go to get an abortion, you can't because it's not allowed, you'll go to jail or you'll be whatever. So you can't, so you have to have this baby. No doctor will do it. So now you're nine months later, you're in a hospital and you're giving birth, going through like one of the most physically traumatic, emotionally uh, traumatic life-altering event by force and you don't want that baby coming i can't even imagine what mentally and emotionally that is i mean a man would never have i mean i don't know what you can compare to that but it's insane that that's basically what you know these rich old bitter white men are asking forcing women to do especially if it's a circumstance of like a rape or what the fuck or just an accident like why i don't you know nobody's i mean the argument to say that it's you're not killing something is stupid you you are nobody's like jazzed about it nobody's all pumped up i know a bunch of women who have had not a bunch but i know quite a few that have had abortions Nobody's happy about it. I know men who have also made that decision with their partner to have an abortion. Nobody's fucking pumped about it. It sucks for the rest of their lives. It sucks. Lives. It sucks. But for them, it was the right choice and it made their life more manageable and prevented a a truly difficult life for a, a baby, an innocent baby who had no say in the matter anyway. There was this great, I don't remember who said this either. I'm great at quotes, guys. Graham Baker, the quote guy. Um, but it was a, an argument for uh, being pro-choice. And the argument was this. It was, if you're, let's say you're in a building and the building catches fire and it's up in flames completely. There's no fire extinguisher. There's no uh, fire department. There's no sprinkler systems, nothing. You're trapped inside this building that is burning. And if you don't get out, you are going to die. As you're running through the corridors looking for a way out, you burst into a door. And in one corner, far from you, you see a girl. A seven-year-old girl cowering in the corner, terrified for her life. Nobody's there to help her. It's just you and just this girl. This one girl. On the opposite end of the room, in the other corner, you see a case 
labeled 1 million viable embryos or 1,000 viable embryos, whatever. One corner, you have a girl who is alive and seven and looking at you, communicating. And in the other corner, you have a just a case marked, you know, a thousand viable embryos. Which one do you save? There's no time to save both. You can't come back. The girl can't carry the case. You have to pick one or the other. Which one do you pick? Of course you pick the girl. Everyone picks the girl. Nobody in the world would not pick the girl. Because instinctively, we know what a life is. We know the difference between a potential life and an actual life. We know the difference. So the argument, and, and, and you know, when people try to, and you can only pick one or the other. There's no explanation. You just, it's one or the other. So the argument against picking the girl, nobody would make it. And if, and if nobody can, if you can't answer that question, then your issue is not whether or not one life, what is life? Your issue is that you want to control a woman or that you have some religious hangup that means nothing. Everybody instinctively knows that, of course, you'd save the girl and you wouldn't even think about the embryos. Of course you wouldn't. So it's a really good argument um, that you can use at parties when you are confronted with idiots. So anybody in Alabama that will potentially suffer from that, um, consider moving because fuck that place. Uh, also, you know, again, Amazon has a plan B, uh, your doctors, I believe can for the next six months still help you, but Jesus, fuck that place and fuck anywhere that does that or that thinks that way. How insane is that? I don't get it. And, you know, parenting is such a big deal. Like, I've been a parent for four years now. My son is four. And it's a massive responsibility. It's a massive obligation. I don't mean that in a negative sense. Um, but, you know, your life is not about you anymore. It's about this person who needs everything from you. They need to learn. They need to love. They need to practice they need to fail they need to get picked up back back up they need to eat they need to be taught every single thing in the world so your life isn't about you anymore and some people are not prepared to do that because they themselves are still going through those that those learning processes um in a big way or not capable of doing it they don't understand that that's what it is and so you know to bring in to force a parent to be a shitty parent because of their that circumstance, there are enough shitty parents who want to have kids and then they do have kids and they just suck at it because one, they've done absolutely no therapy. So all of their shit is now projected at this kid who is a reflection of themselves as a kid whom they hate because you usually end up like hating your past, hating your trauma, but it's hard to kind of separate your past and your trauma from who you are. So you end up hating yourself. But now you have this little version who is completely vulnerable, completely trusting in you, trusts you implicitly, and you have complete and total control. And now you're going to inflict all of your rage and hatred and anger and disappointment about you and your life and your experiences onto that kid, which I see constantly over and over and over. So, you know, therapy is a fucking must. And two, like, you know, if you're going to have a kid, read a book, read three books. It's crazy that people are so willing to have a kid. And I've, I've seen this happen. Someone is willing to put their body through, uh, just on the woman's side, a woman is willing to put their body through the most insane transformation and trauma for like basically a year. And then the man is willing to, after that fact, I mean, hopefully support during that time, but after the fact, be around this child, completely change their lives as the woman is too. But they won't read a fucking book about 
child development, about child psychology, about health and nutrition. So they're willing to take not even the most basic step to ensure that their child has a healthy and happy and productive life. The most basic thing, get a book on tape, just listen to somebody talk that knows what the fuck they're talking about. There are thousands of books on this subject. Take a class. People have no problem buying a ticket to Disneyland or a ticket to the movie or going out to dinner and spending whatever, $50, $100 for that. But you won't... You're bringing a kid into the world and you won't... You know, when my son was conceived, I was reading books. I got into therapy. A lot of my time, still currently, a lot of my time in therapy is... Uh, child development and child psychology and uh, as well as dealing with my own shit and learning how to be a better more present and uh capable father and people won't even do that and that's people and that's a, a large percentage of people who want to have kids and then you force people to have kids who don't want to have kids who are not ready to have kids and now you're going to get even less and i guess you could make the argument like oh well you know there are lots of unwanted pregnancies and the kid becomes something great. Okay, sure, that happens. Every once in a while, sure. But why <laughs> the risk of that? Like there aren't enough good people here to, to do shit. You, It is the dumbest argument. Like my brain can't even uh, articulate the response to that because it's just so dumb. Like on the chance that a kid might grow up to be something good, all the kids should be had. Besides, and once they're here, everybody's treated like shit. If you're going to have a kid, want it or not, read a fucking book. Just read a book. Hey, this is not hard. Read a bunch of books and read them a few times. You know, understanding where your kid is at in their development is essential to things like not hitting them and... Uh, not putting them in situations that they're not prepared to deal with. And it, it massively cuts down on the trauma you're going to inflict on these people. They're people. I had someone say to me recently that uh, who doesn't have kids. And she was like, oh, yeah, a kid is like a little version of you. It's you. And I was like, no, it, it's fucking not you. That's a person. That is a separate person. Like, it is genetically half of you, sure, but it's not you. That's a separate person. And that person deserves respect and safety. And you're in charge. So you have a big responsibility. But that doesn't mean just because you have that responsibility that you punish them for it. Yeah, I see parents who are like crazy rough with their kids or screaming at them. Like screaming at them. Would you scream? Do you scream at, at a person? Like an adult? Do you just go up and scream at them? Probably not. But you scream at a child because they're helpless to stop you. So this like intense abuse of power. It's no wonder that we, as adults, abuse power. You look at any polit political scene across the world, any type of leadership role that constantly gets abused, whether it's in a company, in a cult, uh, in and I'm, I'm including that to say religion. Um, it's no wonder we abuse it. We abuse it everywhere. You abuse it with your friends. You have a little more clout or presence than them and you push them down. You have a, a child and you fucking scream at them or hit them or, you know, have no patience with them. You know, so, so learning about child development and what their psychology is and, and where they're at in the stages of their life and what that means is essential to being a good parent. You know, like when my son is saying no to things. I don't get mad at him. He's not disobeying me. He's exercising his voice. He's he's expanding uh, his agency and I want him to do that. I support him doing that. It doesn't mean he doesn't have rules. He does he does. And it doesn't mean he doesn't have structure. He certainly does. And he is allowed to say no to things. Now, it's like so for me, what I do is I give him certain choices. He doesn't really have a problem with basically anything we do because of that but here's an example like when he was younger uh, there would be times where he didn't want to take a bath when he was you know let's say two so I would give him an option it wasn't the option of whether or not he can take a bath 
So let's say like an hour before, I'd be like, hey, hey, Bubba, we're going to take a bath later, okay? And sometimes he'd say okay, and sometimes he'd say no. I said, not right now, later. So now he can prep. He's not just being thrown in constantly. Just You're here, now you're here, now you're put here, and you have no decision. We're going to take a bath later, okay? And then when it's time for the bath, I say, okay, I'm going to get your bath ready. Which toy, and I would, when he was younger, I would hold, you know, two different toys. Which toy do you want to bring? And he could pick. So now he has a choice. He doesn't have a choice whether or not he's going to take a bath. He's going to take a bath. But now he can participate in, in a decision of that process. So then there became no anxiety as a result of that. And no fight. He would pick a toy. And then he got excited about doing it because he knew he get he would get to make a choice. Now... It's like, hey, we're going to take a bath. He likes taking a bath because we play and we splash and it's a good time. And we do, you know, beards and mustaches with the soap is great. But now it's like, okay, you want to bring toys? And sometimes it's like 30 toys. Go ahead, man. Throw them in the bath. It doesn't matter. It's fine. All it is is a little more work for me after the fact to pick those toys up or dry them. And if I'm too lazy, if my convenience is more important than my son's happiness or his safety, or his health, I don't deserve to be a father anyway. And that's true for every parent. And most people are making the sacrifice um, of their child's development, of their child's safety, of their child's trust, of their child's happiness for their own convenience. That happens most of the time. That's most of what you're seeing when you see a shitty parent or a parent making mistakes. So it's like he has a choice. Um, you know, people who would say things like the terrible twos, or, they're not terrible there's nothing terrible about him. You, if you're expecting your child to stay this year old thing that has no voice really and no agency and makes no decision, they do whatever you tell them. They're like this mold, moldable piece of clay that has more or less no real personality. I mean, a little bit. Then you don't know what the fuck you're doing and you don't deserve to be a parent either. Deserve is a weird word. I don't mean it that way, but like you, you are falling short in a major way. You know, when, like I said, you know, when he started saying no to things, I was proud and I encourage him to do it. I, you know, when I say I love you, he doesn't have to say I love you back. When I want to hug, I don't make him hug me. I ask and sometimes he says no. And I was like, that's fine because his love is not my uh, toy to use as I, that's him. He, he has a right to decide how he lives uh, inside, you know, with his personality and develop the way he wants. But that, you know, people hear stuff like that and they think like, I just let him run around. He has no rules or structure. He has tons of structure, tons of rules, tons of responsibility for his age, appropriate for his age. He picks up after himself. You know, if he makes a mess, he cleans it up. I'll help him. I don't, I'm not, I don't yell at him. I don't judge him. I'm not standing there like fucking do it. I'm excited to help him. And I'm excited that Kids want to do that stuff. They get excited to clean. They get excited to help. They want to be a part of your life and of their life. And it's this beautiful thing to share with them. He is my partner. You know, I, I'm the leader for sure. I'm in charge. I know way more than him. I'm 36. He's four. There's no question there. He is my best friend. And I am also his father. That's, they go hand in hand. Like, People say you can't be your child's friend. And in a sense, that's true in that your first responsibility is always being their parent. And that means making a hard choice, not giving in to whatever they want. Um, but you should also be friends. With, you can you should consider their happiness and their... Uh, read a fucking book, man. Take a class. Talk to some other people. Get in therapy. Same thing with like dogs. You see people, or cats or whatever, any pet, you know, that's still another life. You're taking a huge responsibility, taking this animal into your home. Read a book, especially, you know, the way a, a, a baby or a toddler doesn't communicate the way you communicate. You can't force the same ideals and processes on a toddler as you would expect from an adult because you're, they're different. A, a animal is the same way. When you have a dog, I see people all the time treating their dogs like a person. Not loving them like a person is great, but they're not people. Their needs are different. 
Their processes are different. You have to respect that if you respect that animal. You know, a, a dog needs, people do too, but especially with dogs, they need rules, they need a leader, they feel calm when there's a leader, um, they need boundaries, they need tasks, things to do. These are things people need as well. Um, but I see people just like their dog is just there with nothing to do and they let their shitty behavior slide and they think nothing of it and, you know, they're projecting all of their own, the same thing people do with kids, they're projecting all their own insecurities and fear onto that thing, that animal. Read a fucking book, take a class, go to a training, you know, it's, it's really frustrating that that's, and I'm not perfect by any means, I, of course, make mistakes, but I, I am open to uh, acknowledging those mistakes and learning from them, and I actively seek out better ways to do all of these things, um, and everybody should, it's a responsibility to have a life with you, it's not just you, it's a responsibility to just be a person, you have to be outside and communicate and contribute to society and all that. That's a responsibility as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. So yeah, um, <clears throat> such a big deal. Such a big fucking deal. People treat it like it's nothing. It's really bizarre. I don't know. Game of Thrones has been pretty shitty. The first uh, three episodes were pretty good. There were some problems here and there with the writing, but the last two have been pretty bad i mean overall i'm still enjoying it of course and there's only one more episode but um man you know once they passed the books things started to kind of decline a bit as far as the consistency and character development and and sticking to the rules of the world and honoring the characters that have there so now characters are kind of like making odd choices and the writing, you know, there's a lot of like movie moments where things just happen and you just kind of have to accept it where that wasn't the case before when they were sticking to the books. Um, it, you know, I'm a, I, I'm still watching it. I'm going to watch this week, but, uh, you know, it's good that this is the, the last season because they're struggling. Um, you can actually listen to a more in-depth uh, conversation about that on my other podcast, The Bombcast, with uh, my brother, Brian Williams. We go on and on about our disappointment and some of the things we like, but anyway, <clears throat> that's that. Other than that, um, I just started playing uh, Metro Exodus, the new Metro game, uh, post-apocalyptic, you know, after nuclear war and the surface is a wasteland and it's full of radiation, so you can't really go up there, so, excuse me, it's set in Russia. So you're living underground in these underground societies and there's, you know, crazy monsters and stuff. It's a shooter. I don't play a lot of shooters, but I just love the atmosphere in this one a lot. And the gameplay is fun. And so anyway, I'm playing this one. It's gorgeous. Um, here's some footage. Uh, it's gorgeous to look at and, and fun to play. The dialogue is a bit hokey and uh, the voice acting is just okay. But it's 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 enjoyable if you're looking for like a very atmospheric, uh, gorgeously um, made game. You know, it looks stunning and uh, the sound design is great. You should play it in headphones and it's fun. And uh, and also, I have a Wii U and that's what I played uh, Breath of the Wild on the Zelda game, one of the greatest games ever made. And then just recently I saw that there was a, a Wii U emulator for the PC so I just wanted to check it out if it works, and it does, and they have Breath of the Wild, and I'm playing it, and it's fucking amazing. I mean, I have a legit copy on my Wii U, so um, it's just a backup of that. But it's fucking incredible, and the Wii U doesn't run at uh, 1080, it's 720, and I think it's only 30, 30 frames a second on my PC. Not only can I run it at 1080, but I can run it at 60 frames a second, and I can play it as it is normally with the cell shading uh art design and then I can there's also a, a mods where you can take out the cell shading and play it like it, it basically looks like you're playing in like the unreal four engine it's fucking awesome and so that's really fun and uh I didn't I just wanted to see if it worked so I started playing it and I um play it with my uh 360 controller and I just wanted to see if it works so I got it running on my pc 
And then the next thing I know, I'm like two hours in again. Um, and I've been playing that and it, fuck, I love that game so much. It's so good. The little details, like, you know, if you, uh, if you are in a cold environment and you don't have like warm clothes, so you start shivering, if you light a torch or set a campfire, you'll get warm. If you take food from your inventory and throw it on the ground and it's cold, it'll freeze. If you're in hot, 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 uh, environment like the the volcano area it'll cook um you know your horse will what is it called when they go like Pfft. well they'll do that when they're idling you know it it has fear and you can calm it and soothe it, it if, when your climbing animations change on which direction you're moving based on how difficult it is to climb like that um i mean it goes on and on the, the detail and I'm, I'm not doing it justice at all, but the detail in that game is staggering. It's so good. Uh, just such an amazing game and beautiful. And it's like, yes, you are fighting things, but there's, you know, there's no blood. And um, the the message in, in every Zelda game uh, is always the same of friendship and love and being brave and kind and restoring you know, broken things back so to find peace. And, and it's also, you know, about loss and moving on uh, past, um, you know, sadness and, and finding purpose. And they're really beautiful games and so much fun to play. And the music is always incredible. And in this game in particular, graphically, it's outstanding. And the gameplay is probably the best any Zelda game's ever been. It's, it's a great, great great game one of the greatest of all time so if you haven't played that I, I i do recommend playing that um so good one second i'll get some more coffee So I taught that um, seminar, that self-defense seminar over the weekend, and it was great. Uh, I was at this really cool camp. So this one of the schools that I, one of the companies that I work with, um, I teach their staff uh, kickboxing, and um, yeah, I do boot camps with them and stuff. It's these eight charter schools, Bright Star Schools, really great company um, that really does really awesome things, not just with their staff, but with their students as well. Uh, very open and progressive and really trying to make school a better environment to be in or live in. I mean, you're, you know, 12 years uh, prior to of elective school. Um, it's a long time for kids and so much trauma. You think back to like all the horrors that you endured in school, um, not even like directly from the other kids, but just dealing with the staff and how awful they were. So this school really actively, actively tries and is constantly looking for new ways to change that and to make it better. And they, and they do, they do a great job. Um, so I work with them and, uh, this camp was, it was a, like a, a weekend camp for, uh, like 11th grade girls. I think they select, I think it was like 40 or something like that. And they go away for the weekend at this camp, and uh, they and it's basically it's all about women empowerment there. So uh, they have, you know, they were doing like arts and crafts stuff, and they were doing a lot of self defense and hiking and meditation and uh, open discussions, uh, you know, emotional things, talking about trauma and their courses on uh, date rape and everything like that. Really amazing. So I was asked to come in and I did two sessions, self-defense sessions, uh, hour long each. And they went well. Um, and then afterwards, uh, we all got together, all the group. And I put on, I don't know if you've ever seen, like a red man suit. And, um, you know, attacked the girls and they got to practice. And I have to say, I've never worn one of those suits in a seminar before. That's not how I teach. But um, I have worn one before and I have seen them in other people's self-defense seminars. It's not something I normally do or even advocate. But 
Uh, I did it. It was a good cause. And these girls were amazing. So fucking aggressive, so assertive. And they were able to use not just the things that I had shared, but the other coach, uh, Don, what she had taught them um, about punching and kicking and elbows and using your voice. And it was great. And they beat the shit out of me. I mean, I was wearing the suit. I was fine. Um, for an hour, just one after the other. And I was so impressed. I've seen adults do it a lot. And usually I'm pretty unimpressed by their level of commitment and their level of openness and willingness to really push past comfort and, and go hard. And, but these girls went really hard. It was really impressive and so cool. You know, it's an experience that most of them will carry with them forever. Some of them will ignore it and it won't, but for most of them, it'll change their lives and it'll give them a sense of power and agency and accomplishment that, you know, young people in general don't have a lot. Um, but especially young girls, you know, they're not often, uh, given that opportunity or even allowed to be that. So it was cool. Uh, it was great to be a part of it. I was happy to do it, and I hope I can do it again next year as well. Self-defense is a weird world. Martial arts in general is a weird world where so much of what you see is bullshit. I mean, I started training in 2000, so I've been doing it for 19 years, April of 2000, so a little, just a little over 19 years. And I've done a bunch of arts, um, some that I hold high rank in and some that I've only studied for, you know, a year or so or, or just dabbled in here and there. Um, but all different kinds, very traditional arts, modern arts, uh, the quote reality based stuff, weapons, all this stuff. I've worked with law enforcement, you know, I've taught seminars on, you know, knife fighting and, uh, and what you'll see so much bullshit in all of them. In the traditional martial arts, you find just a lot of bullshit uh, with just lies. Like saying something will work when it fucking will not work. Or the worst part, actually, is you see people not pressure testing. So they're just believing what they do will work as effective as a, as a street self-defense. But they never test against any pressure, um, which is such a problem. You know... Boxing works, right? You can see it work. You watch a boxing match. You go, oh, that works. You look at fights in the street. They're boxing for the most part. That works. You can watch it work. However, if you're training boxing and you never spar, even light sparring, I don't believe in hard sparring. It's really bad for you. I grew up doing it. It's not good for you. But if you don't pressure test, if you don't spar, if you don't do it against somebody who doesn't want you to hit them, doesn't want you to do the move to them, you have no skill, no realistic skill and, and very little chance of actually pulling any of this stuff off. Um, same thing in like jujitsu works that way too. Like you go like these moves work. Here's an arm bar. Here's a this or that. And it'll work over and over and over and over and over in a drill. And then you try it against somebody who doesn't want you to do it. And now it almost never works. It's exceptionally hard to pull it off, even though it's a high percentage move. So, and you need to have that experience. Um, I actually have a video. I'll put a link. Uh, I don't know in the description or right here. I don't know. I haven't put links in these videos before. There'll be a link where you can watch a, a little bit about this. And I, I, on my other YouTube channel, I teach a little drill about it. Um, but, you know, so you have to test this stuff. And in traditional martial arts, usually the problem comes in no testing, no, no pressure. So, you know, when you're confronted with a real situation, uh, whether it be in the ring or on the street, uh, you, you know, people often say things like fight or flight. And that's true. And there's a third one that commonly gets left out, and that's freeze. And that's the most common one. Uh, most people, when they're confronted with an attacker, will just fucking freeze up because you're scared. And there's an internal mechanism in your body that, um, that causes you to freeze and, and kind of wait out the storm. It's not an um, indication of being weak or anything like that. It's, it's on a biological level, almost a, a protection mechanism. It's not a very good one. Um, but it, that's what it's doing. It's t telling you to shut down and kind of brace and wait, wait it out. Uh, so the training, you know, when, when you're, when somebody hits you or goes to hit you or grab you or whatever, your, your brain kind of asks a series of questions and it's like, who are they? What are they doing? Am I okay? What should I do? Um, what's going to happen next? Am I hurt? Should I hit them back? What, 
all these questions rapidly over and over and over again. So training is going, you train so that the time that you start asking those questions to the time that you act is as short as possible. And that when you act, you're doing something that'll benefit the situation that you're in. And that's, pressure is the first barrier there. Once you get over the pressure, now you need good moves. But if you have good moves and you can't handle the pressure of it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't fucking matter. You know, if you punch us, if you can punch through a brick wall, but you're too slow to get to or from your target without getting hit, it doesn't matter how hard you hit. You know, so you need to be able to move. You need to be able to stay calm and focused and follow a, a, your training. So important. And then in the, quote, reality-based self-defense, what you see is a lot of that too. A lot of just like make-believe where people have, they think they're, you know, paramilitary just because they're wearing cargo pants and they have, uh, you know, um, what is that? Those like belts and shit called. I forgot the material. But whatever, um, you know, they think everything is tactical because it's black or they have 511 gear. Um, and, and, and a lot of times you'll see a lot of bullshit there too. But what you see more of is people creating the world they're pretending to help you protect yourself against. Like, um, and I've, I've been in these classes. I've, I've, for a moment, I taught this way too. Like, Excuse me. There was a time where it's like most of my teaching was about killing people. This is how you do this and take a knife and fucking do this and strangle this and that. Um, and I would teach anybody. And now I'm very selective of who I teach martial arts to. And if I teach anything openly, uh, it's self-defense based stuff. Dealing with pressure, how to use your f- footwork, um, daily practices to avoid these situations altogether. And then with my martial arts students, it's not about killing people anymore. It's like, okay, here's, you know, solid street boxing, uh, stand-up grappling, some kicks and elbow, like really basic but effective and simple stuff. Um, And then when it comes to weapons and dealing with knives, how to control a knife, how to uh, um, use a knife as well, but not in the same fashion. And, And even with them, there's like, so much discussion and role playing about the bad part of it, how bad it gets. You know, I teach knife seminars. I start by showing, and even in my classes, I start by showing, I hand out pictures of knife attacks, the aftermath. So you see just the most gruesome shit you've ever seen. Um, And I say, you know, this is either going to be you or you're going to do this to somebody. But most likely it's going to be both. So does that sound cool to you anymore? Does that sound romantic? Is this what you want for your life? Is this how you want to be? Now, look, I, I've been stabbed. I've seen people stabbed right next to me. I, I've been in these situations. It's not cool at all. It's not romantic. It fucking sucks. And nobody should have to deal with that. But in a lot of these like reality-based or even in a lot of the Filipino martial arts systems as well that are like kind of geared towards that reality, quotes, reality, um, they're promoting that. You know, and you're teaching strangers how to murder people in the most violent ways. And, and a lot of them, some of them are bullshit, like the moves that they're teaching are bullshit. But a lot of them are not. A lot of them are teaching you real shit to anybody. People put those videos up on YouTube. Like here, anybody, here's how you kill a bunch of people with a knife effectively. Or guns or a stick or whatever. It's, it's so irresponsible to openly teach that type of material. So in martial arts, it's very frustrating. Um, I don't openly teach that stuff. That's not what I want my contribution to the world to be. Like I created a bunch of killers. That doesn't interest me. You know, it it fucking sucks, man. Um, I wish it wasn't like that. People are really irresponsible. And it's, uh, you know, people feel cool by doing it. They think it's cool. I don't know anybody who's been in real situations who thinks that shit's cool. It gets cool if you've never actually had to do it. It's cool if you've never been through it. It's cool if you're a kid and, you know, it's so foreign. So there's a romance and a mystique. So you want to be a part of that. I know so much shit that I don't need to know. And you can make, everybody makes you, well, what if one day, 
okay. I mean, there's only so many ways you need to know how to kill somebody. How many ways do you know how to help somebody, though? Do you know any healing techniques? Nope. Do you know, you know, how to comfort somebody? No. But you know how to kill people with 17 different weapons? That's awesome, dude. Really, really great. Good job. What was that Obama quote? You know, judge a man by what he can build, not what he can destroy. Something like that. That's a powerful thing. You should really consider that. Um, I love martial arts. I train martial arts every day. I teach martial arts every day. It's a part of my life. Big part. It's, you know, it's part of how I make a living. Part of how I feed my son. Um, But you do you can still have a responsibility. You can still have morals and ethics when it comes to that world. You know, so it's like you have a big responsibility as a teacher uh, to not teach fake things that'll get people hurt and then to not teach people to constantly walk around looking for a fight and to think that it's okay to do those things. If you lay hands on somebody, that's a last, last, last option. You know, with my uh, method in my class and my students, we work a ton of uh, verbal drills, uh, visual drills, way before it ever gets to hands. Uh, a few years ago, my two most senior students, uh, Mark and Kevin, <clears throat> you know, Mark was a bodybuilder most of his life, fucking big, strong guy, aggressive guy. Uh, when you train, he's fucking aggressive and he can knock your head off. He was in a situation too, just a few years back, and uh, he was running um, in L.A. and uh, like a crazy guy started running and like uh, yelling, and he wanted to fight. And Mark was able to talk him down, move, get away, never threw a punch, and this, nothing happened. And then he also was in a situation, I think, in the same place like a year later, where as he was running, he saw a man screaming and like kind of attacking a woman. He ran over, got between them, pushed the guy away, got the woman behind him. This is all drills we've worked. And using the verbal drills we worked was able to talk that guy down and get that woman to safety without there being a problem where it could potentially have been really bad. Now look, Mark is entirely capable of crushing that guy's head. He's a dangerous guy because he's learned dangerous shit. Back when I used to teach dangerous shit and he's big and strong and aggressive. And he was able to resolve that without throwing a, a punch, without throwing a kick, without taking his knife out. So to me, that's a black belt. I don't give belts, but from that, once that happened, I, I looked at him and treated him as a black belt. Kevin, my other student, not aggressive, um, a very sweet guy. Mark is very sweet as well. Uh, But Kevin is not naturally aggressive, was in a situation, a dumb situation, but whatever. It happened. He went to the aid of somebody else who shouldn't have been in that situation. He went to help this girl. And uh, there was another guy there. And that guy, you know, Kevin tried to use our verbal drills as well. And some of them worked and he made a misstep. And the guy basically cornered Kevin between two cars and uh, threw a punch. Kevin was able to duck, push him away, and get his friend out. They got in the car and they took off. Kevin was totally capable of fucking that guy up too, but he didn't. Instead, he was able to evade, push that dude away, get his friend to safety, and not risk anything. And just get out of there. The same thing. I viewed him. That's black belt material right there. I make all my students teach, so they were already doing that. Um, They were already present in class and committed and loyal and all those things. So then the tests were seeing just their natural behavior in the real world on their own. And that's black belt stuff. I don't give a fuck if you can hurt somebody. I care if you have that ability, but you decide not to. You find a better way. To me, that's amazing. Um... I've done that, and I've also done the other way, too. Um, 
you know, you should have those abilities, those tools ready. You sh everybody should know how to throw a punch and a kick and an elbow and a knee and a headbutt and to be more or less prepared-ish to face something. Um, but that, that shouldn't be your main thing. You know, you think, let's say a fight is 10 seconds. Let's say it's 30 seconds. And let's say you get in, I don't know, four fights in your entire life. So that's two minutes of fighting. And let's say you live to be 100 years old, 80 years old. So in 80 years, you needed that skill for two minutes of your life. And you can make the argument, well, if you didn't have that skill, maybe you wouldn't have lived to 80. Okay, you can make that argument. But still, the day-to-day -day importance of that skill is far less than the day-to-day -day importance of being kind, uh, eating healthy food, getting good sleep, brushing your teeth, not looking at your fucking phone when you're crossing the street and you can get hit by a car or looking at your phone when you're in a parking lot and somebody can come and grab you because you weren't paying the fuck attention. You know, those skills are far more important. Being a good father, being a good mother, being a good brother, sister, uh, friend, boss, employee. Those things are, you need them every day. You need those skills every single day. But you might need potentially to know how to fight for, I mean, a maximum of two minutes of your life. If you're getting in so many fights all the time, then there's other problems with you. And you are contributing to that too. Years back, years, years, years ago, when I used to run uh, my first teacher school, a uh, student came in, a younger guy, like 18 or something, <clears throat> maybe 17, really big dude, like, you know, over six feet, big, heavy dude, you know, six, uh, 200 20 pounds, big boy. And he came in and he was like, I got in a fight today. Um, he was all excited, as young men usually are. So what happened? Uh, I was in the locker room and this guy, you know, he threw a punch at me. I said, hey, that, that sucks. Are you okay? And yeah, I'm fine. I fucking hit him. And all right, well, what happened? Why did he throw a punch at you? Because he's a dick. Okay, maybe. But what happened? Why did he throw a punch at you? Well, we got in an argument about what? Well, he was wearing the same shoes as me and I called him a poser or a bitch or whatever. So, oh, you started that fight. No, no, he threw the punch. Yeah, yeah, he threw the punch. You started the fight. The fight doesn't start at a punch. The fight starts with all that other shit. The way I teach, there are three uh, stages of conflict. There's a visual, verbal, and a physical. Sometimes you have no choice. You're just standing there, mind your business. Someone comes up, boom, runs up and hits you and now you're in a fight. That happens. For sure. It's happened to me. I've seen it happen. It happens. But most of the time, that visual conflict happens first. You see somebody looking at you. Uh, you look at an area that looks dangerous or you see a group that looks dangerous or whatever. There's a visual conflict. Somebody's mad dogging you. Then there's often a verbal conflict. And the two most common things that you'll hear are that'll start a physical fight that you should be able to work out of are, you know, what are you looking at or what did you say? And in this case, it was kind of an offshoot of what are you looking at? Basically like, you know, what do you have on? It's all kind of like, it's still, it's either what am I seeing or what am I hearing? Um, that'll start a fight. So in this case, that my student started that fight. He started the fight. It doesn't matter who threw the first punch. My student started that argument. And he started that fight. And I was pissed. And I told him, like, you started that fight. That is your fault. And here's the thing. Um, a friend of mine, one of my best friends, this was years back. I, I read a story in the, uh, I want to say paper. I've never read, read a fucking paper. Uh, but it was, online. This was, uh, I don't know, maybe eight years ago. And I read this story about a kid, you know, in his 20s or early 30s or whatever, going to a party, getting in a fight and dying. So later found out that one of my, that's one of my students, one of my best friends, that was his longest time friend. He'd known him since, you know, preschool or something. And we'll call my friend's friend, we'll call him Person A. And uh, so Person A goes to this party. Person A is not 
a fighter. He's not a tough guy. He's kind of nerdy and a little meek, from, as I understood. Goes, person A goes to a party. Something happens at the party, and person B, they get into an argument. I don't know who started that. Who knows? Okay, person B is being aggressive to person A. At some point, person A leaves, walks out of the party. Person B follows them. They get into an argument outside. Person B punches person A. Person A hits the ground. Person B takes off. Person A, my friend's friend, gets up. He's like, ah, whatever. People are like, go home. or he, So he does. He goes home. He goes to sleep, and he died. He had a concussion from probably both the punch and, I'm guessing, his head hitting the pavement. He died. This is it. He's final. That's it. It's over. Person A didn't go to that party thinking, I'm going to die tonight. And here's the other thing. Person B didn't think, I'm going to kill this person when I punch them. And person B also didn't think that I'm going to go to jail for it. And that's my life now. I don't know if he's still in jail or not. I don't know. But that's what happened. So, you know, punching somebody kicking somebody, hurting somebody in any way, engaging in any fight can lead to either you dying, you killing somebody, or you spending your life in jail. That's the reality of what can happen. And you need to consider that if you're going to have any involvement in combative arts or sport, sport combat or anything like that. If you're going to get into a fight, you need to know that that's, those are the three options. Either you're going to die, you're going to kill somebody, or you're going to go to jail for the rest of your life. That's it. That's how it works. So if that's the level that it can get to, and that's it's very easy and to escalate to that and can quickly do it, you need to have greater restraint in, in how you conduct yourselves, and you need to have better patience and understand more about yourself so you don't get sucked into these things. I mean... That's the reality. And so, you know, as a teacher, if you're not conveying that and you're only making it seem cool and like, you know, you're Batman and you can fucking do anything and take everybody on, you are contributing to the problem. You're part of the problem. You are creating the world that you're telling people you're protecting them against. Um, you know, when I was teaching at that seminar, somebody asked, one of the girls asked, well, what do you do if somebody grabs your hair? So I went over practically how that works. Um, but then... I asked, why are you getting your hair grabbed? And one of the girls, a different girl was like, because that person did this. Or, okay, well, why? Well, because that person did this. Okay, well, why? Well, because that person is, oh, stop. Why are you in a situation where that is happening? Why are you participating in that? Someone says something to you. Someone does something. Just fucking leave. It's hard. So you practice it. It's a practice over and over and over. You practice restraint. You practice maturity. And I use the example of I, the girl who asked that question. I said, okay, she was wearing a gray sweater. So I said, okay, well, what color is your sweater? She said, gray. I said, no, it's blue. She said, no, it's gray. I said, no, that shirt is fucking blue. That is a blue shirt. I hate your blue shirt. She, didn't, she said, it's gray. Everybody was laughing. Because she knows it's gray. It doesn't matter what I'm saying. Of course it's gray. Who gives a fuck what I'm saying that it's blue? It's not blue. She knows it's gray. So when somebody says, you're a bitch, you're a pussy, you're a, I hate this word, you're a faggot, all these things, these horrible words used to hurt people. You know that's not the case. Is it worth dying over? Is it worth killing somebody over? No, it never is. You know, I teach you know if you're going to leave the house you're when i leave the house my goal is to come home that's it so i'm coming home now if if there's a potential for a fight i'm walking away i'm talking my way out of it if it has to get physical then i'll do that if it has to there's no other option i'm prepared to do that too but i'm going home but that that statement, I'm going home, always starts with love and responsibility and protection and compassion for myself, now for my son, above all else. I'm going home. You know, so it is a, it's a big deal. And it's, it's kind of thought of too lightly. It's worrisome. It's a big deal. So you got to, you know, I don't know how I got on that subject. 
I gotta get ready to go pick up my son. Um, yeah. Don't get in fights. Be a good person. Be pro-choice. Even if it's not something you personally agree with. It's not up to you. It's let people be safe and healthy in their own bodies and everything. Anyway, thanks so much. Don't forget to uh, like, comment, subscribe on YouTube. Um, please rate and review and subscribe on iTunes and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Uh, I am Instagram Baker on Instagram. I am Graham Baker, at Graham Baker on Twitter. I have a Facebook for my business. Uh, it's A Better You Fitness and Martial Arts. My website is GrahamBaker.com. Um, yeah. All right. That's it. Peace.